Wonderful. That's fantastic. Come on, let's give a lot of clap. Keep praying for the team. We want to see people saved. Why don't we just stand up and turn around before you sit down, eh? Stand up. Just stand up. Just get your energy flowing again. Come on, let's give a lot of clap as we do it, eh? It's good to hear what God is doing. Great miracles that God is doing. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, listen, don't forget to come along to hear about what's been happening in Pakistan on Friday night, uh, 7 o'clock. And uh, you get a report up to date, fresh, firsthand, uh, about what's been going on, all the things that have been done, the current situation up there. Get a, a feedback from uh, uh, Dave and Kate about uh, the work they've been able to accomplish, but uh, also the ongoing work about where the next steps are and what will happen. Uh, some of you have already been asking just about uh, your sponsoring. Uh, we are continuing to sponsor them. I'd encourage you, we uh, undertook to continue the sponsorship right through to at least three months after they've come back. And uh, so what I encourage you to do, if you're a sponsor, just continue to sponsor right through into February. We'll be sharing again the vision of what uh, needs to be done in Pakistan in the uh, next year. And uh, then you have a chance to either stop the uh, sponsorship at that point, or you may decide, man, this is what I'd like to do something more. So there's always, it's always a great thing to sow into the harvest. Hey, why don't you open your Bible with me in Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12. And I've been doing a series on the blood of Jesus. If you have a besetting problem, something that seems to stick in your life, it's been in your family, it's in your life, and, uh, and you're concerned it's starting to turn up in your children, I'll help you understand what it is and what to do about it. The answer is the blood of Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 12. And uh, this is the first uh, uh, the first Passover that the Jews ever had. It's a prophetic picture of the work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. When Jesus came, John prophesied, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Jesus, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So when we see what happens here, you'll see a picture of some things that uh, God intends us to understand. And uh, he said here in verse uh, 22 of Exodus 12, He shall take a bunch of hyssop, Dress, dip it in the blood that's in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. And notice this. Notice what they had to do. They had to slay the lamb, take the blood of the, of the lamb, put it in a basin. Then they had to apply the blood, first to the lintel, then to the two sides of the door. Then they had to go inside, and notice what it says, stay in the house until the morning or the new day. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians when he sees the blood on the two doorposts. The Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you'll observe this as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. This is the most important, one of the most important feasts in the history of Israel. It's the first feast that led to their deliverance out of bondage. And it was all centered around a lamb which was inspected for four days inspected four times. Jesus was inspected four times, found innocent each time. In the end, they trumped up the charges and declared him to be guilty. The lamb was taken, his blood was shed. They had to apply the blood. And notice this, they had to remain behind the door, covered with the blood. And when they stayed behind that blood, behind that covering of the blood, the destroyer, the demonic powers, could not enter in to afflict them. I want you to notice this. When they applied the blood, the devil had no power to enter their house to destroy them or afflict them in any way. 
there's a tremendous picture here for us of how necessary it is for us to apply the blood of Jesus and then to remain by faith in a place where we stand under the protection of that blood. No demon can access your life. No demon continue to afflict you. No demon has a ground for a hold. Whatever you have bought behind the blood, now there's no legal grounds for you to be afflicted and attacked. But you must exercise faith. It's not a matter of some formula, I plead the blood. It's nothing like that. It's actually something far more than that. It's actually a personal faith that what God said works will work. Hallelujah. It's exciting. So we saw it had to be applied three places. And in one of the previous messages, we saw that uh, there were three issues that the Bible says that have to be dealt with by the blood. The first was sin, the second transgression, the third iniquity. Just review it again. Sin was any action against or contrary to God's laws that was done in ignorance. You didn't know what you were doing or you didn't know there was a law. In spite of the fact you didn't know, there was still a sin. And so there was a particular offering, it tells in Leviticus chapter 4, there was a special offering for sins of ignorance. So don't say that you don't know. It won't do it. You need to bring things under the blood. Second thing were transgressions. Transgressions were deliberate violations. You knew to do better, but you decided, well, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do anyway. And the third is iniquity. Iniquity is quite different. And that's the one we want to address today because this is the root cause. Iniquity is an inner twist in a person's life that bends them towards sins and transgressions. It's something crooked inside you. So even if you're brought up in a good environment, you still get twisted and still do bad stuff. So iniquity is the issue. Now, there's three different words, eat three different offenses, one single issue that dealt with it, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Legally, the blood of Jesus Christ puts and deals a death blow to the issues of sin, transgression, and iniquity. In Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6, I want you to have a look at this. We're going to focus on iniquity, which is the root cause, the major thing that lies behind the sins and failures and issues we have in life. When you begin to see this, you'll begin to see tremendous victory that Christ has won for us. Isaiah 53, in verse 5 and 6, he was wounded for our transgressions, deliberate violations of God's laws. He was bruised for our iniquities. Bruised means he suffered internal hemorrhaging. His blood was shed as the blood vessels were shattered internally for our iniquity, our crookedness. He shed blood so you could no longer, you don't need to be crooked anymore on the inside. You don't need to be under the power of anything on the inside. Notice what it says. It says, uh, he was bruised for iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Now look at this. Now you'll see the significance of this verse in a moment. The Lord laid on Jesus Christ the iniquity, crookedness, perverseness, of us all. He didn't just deal with your sin failures done in ignorance. He didn't deal just with your transgressions, deliberate actions against him. He actually initiated an answer for the root cause that drives us into uh, dysfunctional and sinful behaviors. And we want to have a look at this. The first thing we want to have a look at is iniquity. What is iniquity? And uh, it's uh, in the New Testament, just use one word, sin. So most of the time, Christians will use the word sin. Well, I sinned. 
Actually, we need to be quite clear what we're talking about here. Are you dealing with sin? Are you dealing with transgressions? Are you dealing with iniquities? They are three different things. They all need an answer. They all need an answer. Not just that you just generally, oh God, why don't you just forgive me all? You know, God in times will allow uh, His grace to flow uh, according to the knowledge we have to cover it all. But as we grow, we need to learn how to deal with things properly. So, first thing is, it's an internal corrupting force. When Jesus was speaking with the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 8, or uh, Matthew 23 and verse 28, notice what he, remember he said this to them? Now, these are religious people that look good. He said, outwardly, you appear to men to be righteous. You look good. But he said, inwardly, you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. The word there is iniquity. So what he's saying is to religious people, he's saying outwardly you've got all the behavior looking good, you've got yourself dressed up, you're behaving meticulously on the outside, but I know what's in your heart, it's full of hypocrisy, you're acting out something because really there's iniquity, there's a sinful power operating in your heart, you just look good on the outside. The real issue is you're full, he said this, full of iniquity, full of it, in other words, that's where the expression came from I suppose, you're just full of it. So there it is. And so iniquity is an internal corruption inside us. We'll see where it is in a moment and how to deal with it. It's uh, not only that, it's a painful, lasting influence. I want you to have a look in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. It is something that lasts. It's something that goes on. This is why you've got to deal with this. This is the spider. The rest is all the webbing. You don't get the spider. You, st- you, you still keep having the webs turn up. And so notice in verse 6, Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. And uh, God is speaking to, uh, to Cain, and he said, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? And as we're speaking there, and he goes down, then you know that Cain went out and he uh, committed sin. He, he murdered his brother. We're going to look why he did that shortly. He said, Now, notice there in verse 11. Now you are cursed on the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's, brother's blood from your hand. And he said, you'll be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. Now notice this, verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. The word punishment there is the word iniquity. It's exactly the same original word iniquity. So in the Bible, when you use the word iniquity, it it, it has several meanings. That's why language, it helps if you understand what it means. Because if I say use the word love, you all got different kind of understandings of what that could mean. So if I use the word iniquity, probably you don't even know what it is. I use sin, you've got all kinds of ideas what that might be. So I'll just pull iniquity apart and give you it so you actually understand what we're dealing with here. Then you see why the blood is so important to deal with it. The, uh, the word iniquity in the Old Testament is translated two ways. It's translated, number one, it's the, word, it's the same word, it's the word avon. Avon, A-V-O-N is the original Greek word. And what, it, what Hebrew word. And what it means is this, it means to be twisted, to be crooked, to be perverse, to be twisted out of shape. That's one meaning of it. Second meaning it has is the meaning punishment or something that painful that goes on for a long time because of something you've done. So now you get the idea. Iniquity is something painful that continues in your life as a result of things you've done and you end up twisted and corrupted on the inside with a tendency to certain kinds of bad behavior. That is iniquity. It's true. In the New Testament, they use a different word. They use to be without law, or in other words, 
no one tells me what to do, or another way of saying it is, I'm the exception. The laws don't apply to me. Now, have you ever had that where you know you see the speeding things and you think, well, it doesn't apply to me, you know, it applies to everyone, not to me. How many cases have you, situations you've been in where you think, well, yeah, it may apply to everyone else, it doesn't apply to me? That is iniquity. It's saying, I am not subject to law like everyone else. I actually can do my own thing, go my own way. Or putting it another way, it's just, I want to do my own thing. And doing your own thing, acting independently of God, is iniquity. That is the core of it, see? So that is iniquity, a bit of a bad word, isn't it, eh? When you look it up in the dictionary, it's the word iniquity is, me, is the word translated wickedness. Wickedness. And its roots find itself in a wicker, you know, a, a, a wick, you know, the wick in a candle, it's all twisted, twisted cord, or wicker, what the, 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 the twisting that causes people to get involved in spiritualism. All of this gives you a picture of what iniquity is like. It is a crookedness, a perverseness, a twistedness, that is painful, it stays in our life, it continues to operate in our life, causing us lots of suffering, and it's, it's something that causes us to want to live without any restraint doing our own thing. The last days, the world will be full of iniquity. That's what the Bible says. It'll be full of iniquity, people doing their own thing. So that is iniquity. So where's the first reference of it? Well, here it is up here. In verse 6, Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And he was angry. Cain was angry at, his, at the Lord for he rejected his offering because he didn't go along with what God said was the right way to do it. I'm, not, I'm the exception, remember. God had explained what he wanted. He explained how to get the right offering that would have pleased him. And he didn't give the right offering. He said, well, I'll just do what I think will please God. And it wasn't accepted. He got angry. He got angry with God, got angry with his brother. Now, what did he do as a result of being angry? He went out and killed his brother. Now, get it here. Anger is the iniquity. Murder is the transgression. The murder flows out of the iniquity. One is the action that's seen, the other flows out of what lies in the heart, the unresolved issue, and that is called iniquity. Whoa, you know someone who's angry? There's murder waiting to happen. It's true. Once you can connect them, that the, tra the murder, the sin of murder flowed out of the anger in the heart. When a person unleashes their anger, they release a spirit of murder. It hurts and wounds people, and if it's unrestrained, it'll result in violence that ends in death. Right? Okay, we're getting the idea now. When Jesus spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, notice what he said. You'll remember this very clearly now. Now you'll see what he's getting at. On, on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 21 and 22, he said, if you have anger in your heart, you are literally a murderer. Why? Because anger leads to murderer. If you lust after a woman in your heart, you have already committed adultery. Why? Because adultery is the outward behavior of lust or the iniquity of lust in the heart. So iniquity, lust is the iniquity, adultery and sexual sin is the transgression. This is the outward, the other's the inward. If you don't deal with the inward, the other will just keep bubbling out somehow. Religious people try to cover the outward and keep it hidden, but inside what goes on is all this iniquity. Lusts, fears, envy, hatred, bitterness, those are all issues of the heart. That is what's called iniquity. It's the twist that inevitably will show up in your relationships. And this is the thing 
that Jesus came to deal with. Iniquity is the spider, the other stuff's all what it produces. Now, where does this stuff all originate from in the first place? Well, the first place is it originates in our life in several ways. Helps if you understand this. Uh, the first is it comes from the devil himself. The Bible says the first reference in the Bible to the origin of iniquity is found in Lucifer himself. And we read in Ezekiel 28 and 14 to 18, we find that, uh, that Lucifer was an anointed cherub in the Garden of Eden. He was a, a, an angel uh, full of uh, worship. He was an anointed, he was absolutely a beautiful sight to be seen until iniquity was found in him. When iniquity was found in him, it then manifested by him arising up and saying, actually, I want what belongs to God. I want the worship that belongs to God. I want the place up on the mountain of God. I want to arise and ascend. And so his iniquity in his heart was pride, exalting himself, coveting, wanting what was only God's. And the result was rebellion, leading angels to react and rebel against God. And the result was they were cast out of heaven. Iniquity originated in Lucifer, and he imparts it into lives. When you have iniquity operating, you're touching something from the spirit realm that comes out of the demonic realm. See, when, when Adam and Eve ate, they didn't just eat some fruit. They ate of what he ministered to them, and iniquity was imparted into them. So if you see almost straight away after Adam and Eve fell, the Bible says, that they begot children, begat children in their own image, not the image of God anymore, the image of them, which was they had iniquity operating in them. First generation, they've got anger and then murder. Second generation, third generation, if you watch the lines, they just get worse and worse and worse. Why? Because it's a thing operating called iniquity. Iniquity is the problem. We're going to see how it gets and how to deal with it in just a moment. Second origin of iniquity, the first is primary origin is, is demonic. The second is generational. You think, oh, blow, I, oh, I didn't want this to happen. Uh, you can't, you're going to have to see this. In Exodus chapter 20, you see why in a moment, and then you see how as Jesus really dealt with it. In Exodus chapter 20, he's talking about uh, the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the sin of idolatry. Verse 4, don't make a carved image like the sending heaven above, the earth beneath, and the water in the earth. Don't bow down or serve them. So he's saying, don't get involved in idolatry, putting things before God. Because, notice this, because here's why you don't want to do it. Why? Because he said, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now notice what happens. He said, I will visit the iniquity of the fathers onto their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren up to their great-great-grandchildren. That's a lot of people. Now, that, you know, when you look at that, you think, what a mean God that is. My, how could it be like that? What is this? Now, here's what's going on here. God has set a law in place. The soul that sins dies. So what's he going to do if you do something that he says counts for death? You killed someone, you're involved in idolatry, involved in some serious sexual sin, and the law that God has set in place says you need to die. Now, he's got a dilemma now. He's a just God, so you need to, to be held to account for your sin. But if he kills you, then you can't produce a family and ongoing generations. So what's he going to do? This is how he deals with it. Listen to this. Very simple. What he does is he takes the death penalty and he spreads it over four generations. So it's no longer a death penalty. It becomes 
bearing the iniquity. In other words, he just shares the original punishment over three to four generations. So when you are involved in a sin which is worthy of death, God in his mercy doesn't kill you, but the iniquity, the consequence, the corruption of what you've done now spreads over three to four generations. Think about that. You say, oh, wow, that means, and so how does it, how does it actually transfer? Very simply, first of all, it's in a person's spirit, it's in their spiritual DNA. So if you have iniquity charged by God to you, what will happen is, any of your children, it'll be in them as well. Secondly, it's imparted through the DNA, physical, genetical DNA. The DNA gets impacted and affected by iniquity. That's why you find that certain things will pass down generation to generation. Have you look in your family line and you see there's certain traits. There's corruption, there's physical sickness, there's breakdowns, there's various kinds of things. We can call them generational curses, but actually what they truly are is the iniquity of the fathers having an influence or a consequence over generations. You don't want to sin against God. You have four generations that will be affected by it. You don't want to break the laws of God because not only affect you, but you've got generations after you who will be affected by this. We don't want to bring from our actions a consequence on following generations. Probably the greatest example of this is found in the life of King David. You think about King David. King David was guilty of murder and adultery. First adultery, so the root, the physical thing of adultery was birthed out of lust. Is that right? Lust was the iniquity. David said in Psalm 51, he said, I was shaped in iniquity. My mother carried me and birthed me in sin and iniquity. So where did that come from? Follow David's line back. You find he comes from the tribe of Judah. And if you have a look at Judah, you find that Judah went out and slept with a woman he thought was a prostitute. And it turns out it was his daughter-in-law had a child out of wedlock to her. And so you have a curse comes into the family because of his sin. So what happens when you follow down that family line? You see sin after sin after sin. What is this? The iniquity, lust, the sins are sexual in nature. And of course, accompanied with it is the spirit of anger that goes with being rejected and murder. So you follow David's line. You find you've got one son, commits, uh, he, he commits incest with his half-sister, and he gets murdered. You've got another son, and he lusts after David's wife, and he gets his life cut off. You've got another son, and he just has so many women. He's just full of, full of lust, full of all kinds of things, and his whole kingdom is lost. You find right through the family line of David, you find this iniquity flowing through generation to generation. You think, oh my goodness, what could be done about it? So out of kindness and mercy, God spread the consequence of sin, but now in the New Testament, he deals with it. And he doesn't just deal with sin. He deals with iniquity. It won't matter where you've come from. It won't matter what has happened in your background. It won't matter what line you've come out of. There is a remedy for it. You don't need to blame your past or your background. You may have had some corrupt DNA. You may have had some corrupt impartation into you. You may be brought up in a difficult, bad, or destructive environment, but you do not need to carry that iniquity. I'll tell you why in a moment. 
This is what the Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was bruised for our iniquities. He shed blood internally. He suffered internal pain, internal suffering, just like you and I suffer when there's torments of hatred and bitterness and various other iniquity. They torment people. They make them sick. They make them do things that are crazy stuff. They make fathers that love their daughters abuse them. What causes such a thing? It's iniquity inside them. It's a driving power of sin working in their heart. God has to deal not just with the behavior, but the very root core of the thing. So Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. And not only this, look at this. He laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, I want you to get what that means. Suppose here we have a father, sins in idolatry, then the sin is carried here, laid on this one, laid on this one, laid on this one, laid four generations. Now, what this, is, this is what Jesus did at the cross. All of that iniquity, which normally would be spread generationally, the Bible says God laid it all on him. All the iniquity of every generation laid upon Jesus Christ. He was bruised when he was beaten viciously and the skin punctured. And underneath he was bruised and damaged and his blood shed. It was for the crookedness, the twist, the torments that go on inside our lives. It was to deal with the rest of sin itself. So... No longer would you carry the iniquity of your fathers and your ancestors. No longer would you pass it on. You could be free of that thing and walk in peace with God and peace in your heart. What an amazing thing the blood of Jesus has done. What an amazing kindness. What an amazing God. Oh my, that the blood was shed for our iniquities and crookedness. So how come so many people still wrestle with it? Colossians 2, verse 13, he took away the list of ordinances against us, all the transgression, sin, all the iniquity. He put it on Jesus on the cross, the whole lot put on him. You don't have to carry any of it. You don't have to carry any of it. So what the blood of Jesus Christ does is, I'm going to show you the last couple of verses. You're going to have a look at this. Have a look at this. And then we're going to pray for people. You've got iniquity gripping and sticking. You need to stand up. Get the blood of Jesus flowing into your life and spirit. Get set free of it. Look in Hebrews chapter 10. Notice what he says. Now this gives a whole new dimension on communion, which I can't cover, but here it is. It says, verse 12. But this man, which he had, when he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, once, from that time, waiting till his enemies made his footstool. By one offering, he's perfected forever those who are in the process of being sanctified. Verse 16, Holy Ghost witnesses out of Jeremiah. This is the covenant I'll make of them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their heart. In my mind, I will write them. Now, notice this. And their sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. Now, it's the remembering of iniquity that causes sin to flourish. So, if your iniquity is not dealt with, sin flourishes in your life. 
You can restrain it, hide it, cover it, but it'll always find a way out somewhere. You'll be keep your temper five times out of six, and then the sixth time, out you go. Come back in. And now they all saw it. It's too late to get it back. Or you'll try not to talk about the things in your heart. Suddenly, out it comes. It's too late. It's out there. And now your own mouth has revealed the iniquity that's in your heart. Bitterness or hate or whatever it is. Envy and jealousy. All those things. Those are iniquities in the heart. And they will carry on generationally if we don't deal with them. He says, this is the covenant I'll deal with. This is the covenant. The covenant is, this God how God is. I love this. He said, first of all, when Jesus went to the cross, God put all the iniquities on him. So he shed his blood, all the iniquities are dealt with. I've got to get this thing to apply. So this is what God says, I'm going to make a new covenant. It's not external, it's internal. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change that crooked spirit you've got inside you. That spirit that's carrying all that corrupt DNA, that spirit that's carrying iniquity, that part of you that motivates you, drives you, he said, I'm going to put it to death and give you a new spirit. That's the deal. When you get born again, you got a whole new spirit inside you. You come alive inside on the inside. You come out of death and trespasses and sins, alive in God, a new creation. What else do we need to do? We need to apply the blood to, to my lifeline. I need to apply the blood to my generational background. I need to put the cross and the blood between me and where I've come from and declare by confession of my mouth, it stops here. It stops with me. Iniquity stops with me. It will not proceed. It will not go any further. How can I apply this? I've got to confess it. The Bible talks in Leviticus about confessing the iniquity that's in your family, confessing your own iniquity. Get it out into the realm of the courts of heaven and speak it out. You know, in, in Nehemiah 9.2 it says, they confess the iniquities of their fathers and their own iniquities. They said, we've walked this way and so did our family. Our whole family's been into this stuff and we've gone along with it. That's why we're in a mess. Bring it out to the line. Have you got a bad corrupt seed you've come from? Bring it to the cross. Bring it to the blood. Make value of Jesus' bloodshed. He shed it for our iniquity. Shed his blood for our iniquity. So I need to confess it. Bring it out. Lord, this thing has been in my family. It's been an iniquity in my family line. And I've been a part of it. And it's resting on me. And I bring it to the cross today. I thank you. Your blood shed at the cross breaks the power of iniquity. See, and so the Bible says in Romans 6, 16, then reckon yourself dead to that thing. See, now you say, but I keep having the thing come. Well, now you've got to actually stand up by faith. To reckon is an accounting term. You've got to hold over it and say, I don't care if I feel that thing pulling on me. Spiritual reality, the cross says, you're dead. You're dead. I hold the blood over that thing right now. Start to do it. Assert the blood over the iniquity in your life and begin to watch as it loses its power. Devil will try. Now, here's the difficulty is, of course, the cells in your body retain memories of iniquity. That's part of the problem. Cells in your body retain memories of iniquity, and your mind itself, the way it's constructed, it retains memories of the things you've done that were wrong. It, it does it in the form of neuron trees. And I just saw something recently that really just fired me up. 
I see Jesus spoke to a tree. It was a bad tree. He cursed the thing. No more fruit. And I encourage you to just bring whatever's in your background to the cross. Hold the cross and the blood against it. Reject anything coming down your family line. And then speak into your thought trees. No more fruit. Just speak into them like Jesus did. Speak into that kingdom of iniquity. No more fruit. Hold the word of God. No more fruit. I bring the blood of Jesus against that thought tree, against those memories. No more fruit. Start to, Jesus, Jesus said that's how faith operates. No more fruit. You got some bad memories? Bring the blood over them. No more fruit. Curse them in Jesus' name. Just like he did the fig tree, all he did was say, no more fruit. I found it a great help personally in dealing with memories of things. Hold the blood up to it, then begin to just speak into that thought tree, that, that physical structure in the brain, the memories of past sins, and speak into it and curse it. No more fruit. And the interesting thing that scientifically they tell you, that when the memory comes alive, you can either add to it and increase the memory tree, or you can decrease it. You can increase it if you keep focusing on those negative thoughts. You can decrease it if you reject them and put something else in its place. How about that? Science tells us what the Bible's been telling us for all these years, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from iniquity and sin. I am free of it. Well, I'm sure you're sitting on something today that you need to depart from. Bible says in Titus, depart from iniquity. Get rid of it. Don't hang out with people that practice it. Start to walk with God and let God bring you to a new dimension. Bring all of us into a new dimension of freedom in the Holy Ghost. You don't have to live condemned. Bible says no condemnation. Why? Because that blood has dealt to it. Oh my. I want you to just put that clip up right now. And while we put the clip up and just play it, if you could just watch this and let this, this blood is for you. Song by Carmen. And you may want to put something right in your life, make your way to the front. Stand up here and we will come and pray with you. looks that a strong armed soldier whip clenched in his fist laced with chips of bone they beat him hard from his shoulders to his feet and it sliced right through his olive skin just like razors through his sheep countless times the blood splattered as each inhuman lash was given several times his knees gave way as his flesh just
his face they punched and smacked. For the splinters from the crisscross screen dug deep into his back. Through lack of sleep and dehydration, his tongue began to swell. And weakened by his loss of blood, this prophet teacher fell. When he did, some blood splattered on a man named Simon Shoe. And as he bent to wipe it off, the prophet looked and said, Simon, this blood is for you. person here today has never given their life yet to Christ, 
You're without God in this world. Tossed and turned and struggling with issues in your heart that you have no power to deal with. They're called sin. Jesus died on the cross, shedding his life for you so you could be free of sin. But for that to take place, you have to take a step. To acknowledge, I have these issues in my heart called sin. I'm walking my own way without God. I'm full of iniquity. But Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I'm coming to you to receive your forgiveness. To become a child of God. To have a whole new start. The power of sin broken in me. Lord, I'm coming to you. Is there anyone here today, just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, you're not yet a Christian, but right now God has been speaking to you and you want to come to Christ. Would you raise your hand right now and let me know. Raise your hand right now. Is there any person here today needing to come to Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Put it up. Put it up. Put it up. Make a decision today. I'm going to receive Jesus Christ. Maybe others here today and you're not walking near Him. You have issues in your heart that have choked Him out. You know that you're not walking with Him, but you say today, Jesus, I'm coming to you. Would you raise your hand? There are people here today. Raise your hand. God bless. God bless. God bless. I wonder while I was speaking about the issue of iniquity, crookedness, and as you've thought about that, you realize there's things in my life that have been in my family life. Perhaps it's anger. It could be pride. Could be adult. It could be pride. It could be fear. It could be lust. There's so many things it could be. If you're wrestling with something that's like a fire that goes on inside you, you can't resolve. Would you dare to believe that Jesus could break the power of that iniquity? God laid on Him the iniquity of us all. You don't need to carry it anymore. It's just a deception of the devil to keep you in bondage. This is what I'd like you to do right now. You're carrying issues that go back right into your family, generational issues, things that have gone from father to son, mother to daughter, come down through the family line. You've got issues that you've wrestled with inside, and you're willing to believe today. You'll dare to believe that what Jesus did is enough to break its power. I'd like you to get out of your seat and come down to the front, begin to start to speak in your heart to the Lord, bring words to Him, talk to Him, and tell Him, Lord, I want to be free today. I want to be free of this thing today. I hear you talking to me. Lord, the last few weeks you've been talking to me, but today there's something in my heart I need to get out. I need to let go of this iniquity, this crookedness, this twist inside me that drives me. I hate it. I don't want it to be there. And Lord, today, having heard the Word of God, I have faith to believe I could be set free by the power of Almighty God. I could be set free from my iniquity. I could be set free from tormenting spirits that use my iniquity to drive me into actions I don't want to do, that I feel ashamed of doing. Come on, there's others here today. Let's come and let's lift our hands to Jesus Christ. I'll lead you in a prayer. And then as you worship the Lord, we're going to come and break the power of this thing over your life. We're going to believe that God will come upon you. The power of the cross and the blood will set you free today. Oh, there's so many of us responding today. I know we're going a little bit longer than we expected. But friend, this is a God moment. This is a time to meet with Him today. 
to let the power of Almighty God, the power of the blood, break the sting in your life once and for all. If you have to, in the, in the congregation, you have to get away or pick up a child urgently, please do it. Feel free to be released. And if you can stay and stretch your hands in prayer, you're a family elder and you're not up in the ministry, getting ministry, come and help get, do something for people. And grandparents, you'd like to come up and help us with prayer. And, and some of the others, uh, what about Gordon and Karen? Just come. I need some people to come up in a moment just to help us in praying with people. I need anyone who can help in this area that's part of us to come and just help us. Sandy and Peter, just please come. Please come. Please come. Please come. Now, this is what I want us to do right now. Have your eyes closed. And for just a few moments, talk to the Lord about this iniquity. What is this thing, this twist inside you that so disturbs you, you so hate it? Has it been in your father? Has it been in your mother? Has it been in your family line? That crookedness. Is it in other members of your family? It doesn't need to remain in you because you're a born-again believer. But you need to hold the blood of Jesus Christ against that iniquity. Assert the victory of Calvary over it by believing in what Jesus has done. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to not just be waiting for someone to do something to you. But I want you to rise in your heart. This blood was for you. It was shed for your iniquity. It was shed to set you free. When Jesus went to the cross... He carried that iniquity. You don't have to carry it anymore. So you've just got to bring it. You've got to speak it out. Maybe there's idolatry, Freemasonry. Maybe if the thing you're struggling with anger, there may have been violence and murder in your family line. You don't really know. If the issues you're struggling with are fears and pride and rebellion and anxiety and those kind of things, probably there's been idolatry in your family somewhere. If, if you're struggling with lusts of all kinds, addictions of all kinds, probably there's been sexual sin in your family background. So we'll just come to the cross with it right now. I want you to follow me in this prayer. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe Jesus carried my iniquity. And the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all iniquity. Lord, I confess my iniquity now. I confess the iniquity of my family that we have carried for generations. And I bring it to the cross. I bring it to the cross. I hold the cross of Jesus between me and my family line. I hold the blood of Jesus against that iniquity. I refuse its power. I am dead to that iniquity. Now, Lord, I ask you to set me free from every oppressing spirit that has used that iniquity to hold me in bondage. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Hallelujah. Okay, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, then. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just keep worshiping him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for the mighty power of the blood of Jesus.